Well, good evening. Good to see you all this evening again. Uh, as we gather around God's Word, we're turning back to John chapter 10 tonight. If you cast your mind back, uh, we've been in the chapter before, and we're returning to John 10 again this evening. We're going to read uh, the first section of the, the uh, chapter again from verse 1 uh, down to verse 18. John 10, verses 1 to 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find a pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hard hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. We know that God will bless the reading of his word. We pray he'll bless the preaching of it in these moments. Last time we turn to John 10, our eyes were focused very much uh, on the shepherd, uh, and rightly so. Uh, he is the one who ought to, uh, as it were, take that prior place, that place of importance. But this evening, I want us to actually lower our eyes, as it were, and we are going to look at the sheep. Um, and so that's our focus this evening. And I begin by asking you a question, really, if you have ever thought about how much and how often the things of nature, and in particular the things of agriculture, play a part in the teaching of the Scriptures and in particular in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of the images he uses come, if you like, directly from our fields and our farms and our hills and our mountains and so forth. It's a very instructive to think about these things. And so our Lord uses this uh, image of sheep 
for us. We've already been thinking tonight about that precious, precious passage, uh, a precious psalm, Psalm 23. Sheep and the concept of being sheep undoubtedly has very positive connotations. And I was thinking about this, and it's interesting listening to David preaching this morning. It came to my mind, even as he was preaching, how tremendously privileged we are to be part of God's flock, to uh, be led by him, to be fed by him, to be carried in his arms, to be supported and protected by him. And we we have it all there in that 23rd Psalm that that Charlie read for us uh, this evening, and we've been singing together. That psalm is universally loved because it brings really such a a positive um, picture of the shepherd and the sheep and all that that means. And, And what occurred to me this morning when David was preaching was, you know, that shepherd is also the king. That shepherd is also the king. And, and in a sense, it's not very fitting because David was a shepherd king. And uh, Jesus, of course, is great David's greater son, the shepherd king. What a tremendous privilege we have to be sheep in the fold of the shepherd Jesus and to know that he loves and he cares for us and he provides for us so Many very positive things about that. Perhaps we we don't spend enough time actually meditating upon the, the, the glorious privileges we have being in the care of the shepherd king. I, I love that. I know I've said this to you before, but I love that picture, you know, in Isaiah 40, where it talks about God with the likes of whom there is none other. Talks about him setting the stars in place, setting the world in place, and so forth. Talks about his strong arm uh, of power, doing all these things. And then it talks about him gathering the lambs in his arms. Gathering the lambs in his arms and carrying them. The arms that made the world. The arms that set the stars in space. The arms that sustain and govern the world are the arms that wrap you round with love and care and protection. So many wonderfully positive things. But this evening, there are also very serious and eternally, we might say, negative aspects to this image. Tendencies, eternally defining tendencies and behavior, which... The image of the sheep is meant to convey to us. And it's these I want to focus on this evening. By simply asking the question, why? Why is it that throughout Scripture, we have this picture of people as sheep? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord Jesus talks about the disciples sending them to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Apostle Peter writes, and he says this, you were like sheep going astray. Jesus spoke about the Son of Man who has come to seek and to save that which is lost. 
If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, and he goes on to tell the parable. And what we have here is a, a picture of weakness and waywardness. And our Lord is reminding us very, in a very solemn way of our human nature as it is spoiled by sin. And that sin having destroyed, if you like, our relationship to God, having, having broken that relationship, having soured that relationship and spoiled that communication, that sin then brings this weakness, this um, moral weakness, this, this weakness of initiative, weakness of desire, and with it a waywardness so that we are like sheep going astray. And as we look at men and women, as we look at ourselves this evening, as we look at a lost world around us, what we see is a, a gathering of lost sheep. Folk who have strayed from God and uh, for whom life holds no ultimate purpose. Just reflecting this afternoon, reading through a very, very good little book on the resurrection, on proof of the resurrection. I just think again of, of one of the points that the author was making was this, that, you know, at the end of the day, if there is no resurrection, there's no gospel. If there is no resurrection, then we have no good news. We are lost in a world of sin and destruction, and we are bound for destruction. No point, no purpose, no existence beyond this. Those who rule God out or who construct a God of their own uh, uh, liking, of their own making, take out of life its very root meaning. And that's why today we have a I think a lostness in our world. I, I, even over the past week, 10 days, no, the number of celebrities, uh, people who have made it in the eyes of the world, who have died in tragic circumstances, sometimes as a result of self-harm. It's quite amazing. Almost every day, people who have everything that this world can offer but at the end of the day, have nothing. And it's because of, of this lostness, this waywardness from God. And tonight, outside of Jesus Christ, that describes you. If you're not in Christ, then you are apart from Him. If you're not trusting in Him, then you're living a life which is apart from him. You are astray and you're going astray. And the Bible defines you as one who's lost. We are inclined to compare human with human, aren't we? Um, we think of people we think are strong and strong-willed and strong-minded and have initiative and other people who are 
uh, perhaps don't have the same initiative, maybe who are weak-willed and easily led and easily influenced and so forth. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, apart from God, in our waywardness, we are weak, weak-willed, weak as far as our struggle with sin and that which destroys is concerned. So that's the first, the first part of the image, weakness and waywardness, sheep. But strangely enough, it's, and it's almost contradictory, there is also a willfulness in sheep. You know, we sometimes ask kids the question, if there are a hundred sheep in a field and one gets out through a hole in the hedge, how many are left? And of course, the answer is none, because where one goes, the rest will follow. Uh, and uh, there is that, isn't there? The willfulness. Now, a dear friend of mine who has asked that he shall remain nameless, but who has been laboring in the uh, lamb intensive ward, uh, told me this uh, uh, recently. Uh, we were chatting about this very thing. And he said, you know, a sheep that is caught in brambles or briars will actually stand there and die. It will not, does not have the initiative. It does not have the will, if you like. Or perhaps we could put it the other way, that it's not prepared to make the effort to free itself and it will die. And along with this, it almost seems they're two opposite. Along with this weakness that sin brings, it being astray from God brings, there is this willfulness, this, this deliberate going of one's own way. And again, that comes across doesn't it, in the images that Scripture has for us. You were sheep going astray. You know, all we like sheep have gone astray. That tendency to wander, not a tendency, it's almost an impulse to wander and to stray and to get ourselves into trouble. And along with that kind of willfulness, there is, there's wrapped up in it uh, what we may call a, a, a stupidity, really, a willful stupidity, a, a determination to go in one direction, no matter how foolish that might be. In a just over a month's time or so, I will return to the wonderful islands of Lewis and Harris. And uh, most of the roads in Lewis and Harris are single track roads. And of course, there are more sheep in the place than there are people. And undoubtedly, in my travels up and down through Lewis, I will encounter the usual problem of sheep grazing quietly at the side of the road until you drive up near them. And then they jump out in front of you. Uh, uh, a problem, I suppose it's not uh, confined to Lewis and Harris, but to our own uh, land here as well. But what, what makes the sheep uh, uh, do the opposite of what is wise and right? It's this inbuilt, if you like, willful stupidity. And that comes across in the Scripture image as well that uh, we, we go astray, and, and that is a, a, a matter of the will. I'm always struck by what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, you will not come to me. You will not come to me that you might have life. 
And men and women who are apart from Christ, men and women who are living their lives to please themselves, doing their own thing, they are doing so willfully. I know people get into debates. When you start to witness and talk to people and they they begin to ask you difficult questions about the sovereignty of God and what does this business of predestination mean, election and all the rest, very difficult questions that none of us have got real answers to, at least not answers that can satisfy our minds and even Well, answers would blow our minds. We don't have the minds to take the answers. But the bottom line is this. Go into Ballygolly. Go into Dungannon. Go up to Othlacloy. People are living as they want to live. They may want more money or a better house, a bigger car, or whatever it might be, but they're living as they want to live. And the problem with men and women outside of Christ is not that they can't come to Christ, it is that they won't come to Christ. They can't come because they won't come. It's a problem of the will. And we see that as we look even into the history of God's ancient people, Israel, and the willful stupidity at times where God makes the way plain, where he gives them promises, he gives them guarantees, he, he graciously ministers to them. And what do they do? They, they take the, the wrong path, the wrong way. And they do so with a stubbornness, which the Bible describes in a very graphic way, you know, being stiff-necked and hard-hearted. So we have, if you like, willfulness and, and, and uh, weakness and waywardness, and then we have willfulness, stupidity. The third characteristic, I think, which is very plain is this whole matter of helplessness. Now, I have worked a little bit with sheep, very little, not nearly as much as my, uh, my maternity friend, um, but I do know certain things about them. I know that if you keep them on bad ground, they're going to get bad feet. I know that they can have fluke, and I know that they can have maggoty tails. And I know, too, that if they fall on their backs, they can't get up. If a sheep falls on its back, it cannot get up unaided. And you know if you handle a sheep, turn it over on its back, it really basically is helpless. And there is that third characteristic to my mind, which is wrapped up in this image here, that of helplessness. And particularly, when you, when you set this John 10 back in the, in the Eastern context, where the shepherd lived with the sheep, where the sheep were so dependent upon the shepherd um, for food and for fodder and and for protection and so forth. We, we, we tend to think of the sort of fields here with hedges around them and, and at times uh, uh, fences as well to keep out the foxes and the dogs and all the rest of it and plenty of lush pasture and all the rest of it. That's, that's not the picture in the New Testament. The picture is of the dependence upon the, the shepherd, of the sheep and shepherd almost as one and of, of the sheep uh, 
needing the shepherd for their life and for their sustenance. See, their helplessness comes up in so many ways. For example, uh, they are defenseless against their foes, their enemy. No means of defense. Utterly dependent on the shepherd taking the initiative in terms of, of protection as well as of shelter and food. And they're at the mercy of wild animals around. And again, we see this in the passage uh, here, but we also see it throughout Scripture. It's emphasized over and over again. The image of the Lord Jesus, really interesting. In Isaiah 53, he goes as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. Now, David reminded us this morning that the victim is a victor. But in that moment, as it were, of submitting to the shame and the spitting and the rejection of men, we have Jesus refusing, as it were, to answer back. Psalm 44, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Matthew chapter 10, he's sending out his disciples and he says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Acts 20, where Paul meets with the Ephesian elders and he's, he's giving them this serious charge to care for God's people, to shepherd the flock. And he says, grievous wolves will enter among you and they won't spare the flock. And so what we have here is a a picture of defenselessness. The inability really to survive, which in part is, is, is due to the sheep's folly and lack of initiative and direction and so forth, but, but there's something more serious here. And uh, the more serious thing is the fact that as sheep, we're in the midst of a we're in the middle of a of a battle for survival. Now I think there are two applications here. One for unbelievers. And and the application is just that for, for any of you who are outside of Jesus Christ tonight, until you come to the point that you see yourself as this image portrays you, then you'll never be saved. Until you see, not just superficially, but until you grasp something of the the seriousness of your need in your waywardness, in your willfulness, in your helplessness, as far as your spiritual state is concerned, then you'll never be saved. You'll never seek help. But for the believers, there's also, a, there's also an application here. And I think we need, to, we need to take heed of it. Our Lord talks here about knowing his sheep and his sheep knowing him. 
H.V. Morton uh, wrote a, it's an old book uh, in the steps of the master where he, he takes us as it were on a journey through the, the uh, Middle East, through the, the Bible lands. And uh, one of the pictures he, he paints is of the, the shepherd calling his flock. And, and he said that these Eastern shepherds, they had, they had a kind of a language, almost a sheep language. It, was a, it wasn't real words. It was almost like animal sounds and, and that kind of thing. And, and the shepherds could actually call their, their flocks apart from each other. So you had a mixed flock, maybe two or three shepherds. And the shepherd could call his sheep out. And Morton said that he, he had seen this. Uh, he, had, he had watched this happening as, as shepherds called their sheep apart from the, the other group. He had witnessed uh, one sheep, uh, probably the one with, a, with no hair around its neck. You know, they call it the breaker or the one that strays, puts its head through the fence all the time to see if the grass is greener on the other side. And, and Morton recalls seeing a shepherd or, or, or hearing a shepherd actually calling that sheep to attention, bringing that sheep to the flock, uh, and out of its, if, if you like, its willful disobedience. And uh, the point is this, that, that, that Jesus is making here is, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They will not listen to the voice of a stranger, but they will listen to my voice because they know me. Now, I praise God that by His grace that is so often the case that we recognize the voice of Christ as He speaks to us. As we read God's Word by the Holy Spirit, we we feel that word. We know that word is being applied to our own lives. We know that the Savior is speaking to us. We know that the Lord is instructing us, perhaps correcting us, chastising us, nurturing us. And we recognize His voice. And all of us have had the, the experience in our lives of seeking God's will in certain matters and decision-making and so forth and, and being constrained by the Holy Spirit. It's part of hearing the voice of the shepherd and recognizing the voice of the shepherd. And it is our responsibility to hear and to obey. When we hear the voice of the shepherd, it is our responsibility to obey. The consequences of disobedience, of course, are serious. And our Lord by implication, he talks about this here. He talks about the thief coming to kill and steal and destroy. He talks about the hard hand who's not the real shepherd, who when he sees the wolf coming, he deserts the sheep and he flees, saving himself and leaving the sheep to their fate. But the point that I want to, to bring to you this evening is this, that the devil is out to destroy. And he's active not only in the flock out there, if we may put it like that, amongst men and women in general, but he's seeking to destroy 
the flock of Christ. And as we contemplate the way in which we respond to the voice of the shepherd, we need to do so always in the awareness that to disobey that voice, to go in the opposite direction to that which the voice is telling us to go is to open ourselves up to destruction by the wolf. Now, I'm not contradicting our assurance of salvation or whatever. But what I am saying to you is this, that that there is a sense in which the devil can and he will spoil if he can get a foothold into the life of the sheep who isn't listening or responding to the voice of the shepherd. And I, I think there's such a very serious aspect of this whole business here of being one of Christ's flock. The shepherd will not fail us. The good shepherd is not the hard hand who will flee. The good shepherd will not fail us. But so often we, in our weakness and in our waywardness, we hear the voice, but we disobey or we ignore. And just as always, obedience to our Lord brings blessing. And that is a, I think that's a, a basic principle which cannot be contradicted. Obedience to Christ will always bring blessing. Now, it doesn't mean it will be trouble-free. It doesn't mean that life will be easy. But ultimately, all the way my Savior leads me will lead me to blessing. It may be blessing that comes through storms, even storms in life that we've been singing about tonight. But it will bring ultimately blessing. Disobedience, dear friends, will destroy the blessing. I, I probably don't need to tell you that because you know it just as well as I do because I know it in my life. But still it needs to be told and it needs to be said. Well, the good news of the gospel and the positive aspects of this picture are tremendous, aren't they? You know, one fold and one shepherd. Men and women, and boys and girls, of every nation, of every tongue, from every corner of the world, from every social, commercial, educational, ethnic, cultural background, part of this flock that Christ is gathering to himself. One day that flock will be complete. The fold, as it were, will be full. 
and uh, we will be presented perfectly to the Heavenly Father. For those of you who are outside of Christ tonight, there's a serious, serious issue. The great enemy of souls delights in destroying. And he will keep you by any means he can from that place of acknowledging your weakness and your waywardness, your sinful willfulness, your enmity with God. He will keep you by any means he can from admitting that and confessing it and having it forgiven. Well, Peter says, and he brings the negative and the positive together, doesn't he? writes again. He says, you are like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. May the Lord grant that we as Christ's flock will be obedient to him and that those who are outside of that fold this evening will be convicted by the Holy Spirit and brought to know Jesus, the true shepherd.